Welcome to Oopsie Talk Politics, a left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics. I'm Phil. I'm Sly. I'm Ryan. And I'm Daryl. And I'm a work robot. Beep, boop, beep. Oh no, we automated Ryan. Uh, we no longer have a like, use for Oh, I thought he was already a robot because <laughs> he's always so boring. Oh. <laughs> Whoa, burn. Uh, so 25% of our show has been automated, mm-hmm. just like the workplace will soon be. <gasps> which is our topic for today automation yeah oh, turning everything into robots i um, guess just the workforce no soon to be us <laughs> <laughs> um just a heads up for listeners if i sound weird i half my face is numb from going to the dentist so sorry. as opposed to usual my face voice sounds perfectly normal <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> um so what is automation um, for those of you who don't know it's when machines basically replace humans in the bedroom. It could be the bedroom. <laughs> it just, I don't know, people, people want it that way. Just yeah, that. those do exist already. But it's just, in general, the replacement of human labor with human labor or services with machines. This is not a new concept. Um, you, you know, using uh, horse-drawn carts to sow seeds instead of using a hand tool is an example of that. Using the cotton gin to pick seeds out of cotton instead of doing it by hand is an example of automation. The idea is to make human jobs more efficient by using machine labor. It's a tale as old as time. Um, <laughs> Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. Beauty and the machine. Yeah, his whole workforce was automated with machines. That is true. They were all, they were all like machine creatures. They That's literally true. replaced humans. Oh, man. Maybe that movie has some deeper messages we didn't know about. Yeah, it's all about more proletariat and seizing these productions from machines yeah. and human labor competing with... Gaston is Trump. He's so full of himself. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's all, it's all political commentary. Yep. Um, you guys probably have actually encountered listeners out there have encountered automation without even realizing it all the time. Um, simple jobs like, especially like telephone people, like when you call a place or a place calls you, half the time now that's not a person anymore. It's just a, a machine recording asking you to input numbers. And sometimes you'll call a place and they'll say, "Oh, by your phone number, we know that this is your account," and you're just completely skipping the human step of labor there or like um, if you use a credit card at a gas pump mm-hmm. or uh like an atm Self-checkout. yeah w- one of the ones i've read recently is that uh financial reports get just written by machines in newspapers yes yes oh yeah oh wow a, a lawyer uh one other thing is like um uh, now like lawyers like you'll never probably get rid of the actual lawyering aspect of it but all the legal advice stuff they do on the side that's being replaced by machines too and so I saw uh, medical uh, advice. Diagnoses, yeah. Wait, what do you uh, mean? Like, you put in like your symptoms or your case, and then it's, like there's databases, yeah. and they have like huh. Watts, like Watson, uh, you the know, IBM uh, computer. Yeah, on, on, on Jeopardy, basically came on Jeopardy and owned everyone else. Ken Jennings. <laughs> no, it was a it was a computer called Watson, and basically it went on Jeopardy, and as, just as, as a just for, for shits and giggles, they tested against human beings, and it kicked everyone's ass in Jeopardy. But re- regularly, what it does is it's a uh, medical advice uh, uh, computer, basically. Oh, you're talking about WebMD. <laughs> It's. it's I, like, I like that Watson's a like full time doctor, but on the side he just owns people at Jeopardy. <laughs> well, that, that's that's pretty much gonna be every computer. Every computer is gonna be like the best uh, fucking doctor, lawyer, whatever. And on the side, it's gonna beat us all in chess and every conceivable thing we can possibly do. Well, what's interesting about this whole topic is, in the in the past, it seemed like kind of like um, it. The question I should say is, can machines actually replace humans or are they there to augment us in the past 
um, something like the cotton gin, for example, um, when Eli Whitney created this, he was like, now we won't need slaves anymore because we have machines to do it. But instead, it led to a slave boom because people are like, now we have more efficient work per slave, so we... The cotton industry. Yeah, like a lot mess. of things in the past is you need people to still work that machine. Whenever you have machines to replace labor, it never replaces labor usually. It yeah. just makes you give more work to the workers. Yes. And um, it, it's, or it in the past has upskilled jobs. So we have machines doing factory work now. So these factory workers need to get vocational training to become mechanics. They need to become something else. Um, but so this is a a bit of an issue to actually see how much of jobs have been automated. There have, for some reason, not been a lot of academic studies done on how, how much industries are automated currently. But an Oxford study in 2013 estimates that up to 47% of the U.S. workforce is at risk for automation. Um, and that's either complete takeover of jobs by machines or partial takeover. Um, so do you and- know why there's not data? Like, is there any reason why they're... Like, is there any lobbying against data or anything like that in I, this field? I can't find anything like that. It just seems like it's the scope of it is so big. You're asking for how many industries, countless industries, and how much of certain jobs have been take, like automated. Like, what does that mean? Does that mean if you have a, a spreadsheet program that does the math for you now, is that automation? Is that because mm. that was all done by hand in the past? It's I, even like you when know. you go to the bank. Like, there might be the windows for six or seven tellers, but usually there's only one or two because, like, there's ATMs and stuff. But there's right. still, like, five or six other people that, like, help you set up accounts and stuff. So Yes. It's, and, and it seems yeah. like in, in a lot of industries, actually, um, for example, uh, you look at the airline industry. When – if you took a plane 15 years ago, I remember when I was younger, to check in, you would have to go to a person to get mm-hmm. your check-in ticket. Now you go to a kiosk in every single airport in the world. Um, and it does it for you. But airports have still not lowered employment. They've just retrained, like they, they just move the employment around to do other things at the airport. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not necessarily replacing people. And that's what makes it, I guess, I'm, I'm guessing, tricky to look at numbers like this. Yeah. Um, but some, some industries that we see at severe risk of replacement are mostly driving industries. Um, dr- self-driving cars are a thing already. Um, How far along are self-driving cars? They exist. In, exist already. It's just that in now full, in full working order. They do not need a human. In are the they? Where are they? Like legal to exist? That's a good question. I know the Google car is self-driving. It's in California, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I I don't know if there's certain like legal restrictions on them. There are in certain states. Some states have a legal requirement that you have to have a human driver, basically. Well, I think yeah. all of them you need to have someone in the car. They just don't have to be operating it. Right. And that's another that's Like, Because when we say self-driving, it doesn't necessarily mean, like, it just goes by itself. Usually someone sits in it, and then it, it de- does it all depends. the work for you. Yeah? It depends, though. It depends some, on the car. It yeah. depends on the car. Some are auto... Like, the Tesla, quote-unquote, autopilot is you are still the driver, and it does most of the work for you. There are cars, though, that do not actually need any human input. Hmm. Yeah, that's what... Uh, Tesla really wants is um, to basically uh, like the entire gig economy we have now that's in complete in danger of uh, being killed by automation because Tesla and other companies just want to have like basically your car will be these cars not your car but these cars that they own will basically drive around picking up people and that would get rid of Uber, Lyft, all taxis all it would get rid of all people who work for Uber and Lyft yeah. and, and actually worse than, than 
cab driving is is truck driving because yeah. it's one of the biggest industries in the U.S. Because anytime you order something off Amazon, someone in a truck is bringing that from the port. Um, and there's about 1.7 million, I think, truck drivers in the U.S. And all those jobs are at severe risk. Whether or not they'd be fully replaced is questionable. There are some that say, you, because of the, the way automation works, you may need, you may want to have a human present for unusual or dangerous circumstances, like in, in a situation that pops up where the computer has never encountered this before. Like bandits. Like bandits. <laughs> or, or, or whatever. Probably something you, like uh, heavy snow. Yeah. Like a blizzard um, but, where the camera can't see far. However, though, one of the issues with this longevity of needing human intervention is that computers today are capable of learning and teaching themselves so yeah that stuff might be necessary for human input now human or computers still learn from their human counterparts now but they keep this in memory like every time a a, a doctor robot diagnoses of someone makes a mistake or whatever all the doctor robots like learn from each other, and, and um, also, and also, there's, there's probably gonna be a transition period for most of the industries anyway. Like, uh, yeah, uh, tr- uh, automated trucks won't be able to drive in their, under every condition, but all they have to do is drive under most conditions and swap out with human drivers also, when necessary. You, one thing that I found really interesting about the driving thing is when it first happened, there was like when they first started testing them, there was a couple accidents, yeah. and people were like, "Look, they're not perfect; they still get into accidents, but they still get into less accidents than people." That's so, like the key. maybe they're not. Maybe they're not perfect at driving in heavy snow, but they're probably better than people. Yeah, that's the, really the key here is that they people do freak out, but at, at the end of the day, if this, if statistically they crash less than humans, they are preferable. And uh, what got me thinking about this topic anyway was, uh, like I said last time, that CGP Grey video. Um, it, it's not like the first time I thought about it. I think even at, at New Year's last year, we were all spending an hour talking about this, but... Because um, we're really cool and know how to have a party. <laughs> it was like pre-party, okay, Ryan? That's how we get drunk. We're like, you automation, you don't have that fucking work. That's our pre-game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, that video really made me think about this because um, it talked about how a lot of industries that we don't expect, because we expect factory work to become automated, but industries that we don't expect, like financial advice, like newspaper writing, like driving. Doctors. Um, medical doctors advice. becoming very automated and... Even though they make mistakes, and we think that that's a that's a roadblock that can't you know that's going to be the that's going to get in the way, they're always going to make mistakes less than people. A doctor robot is not going to misdiagnose people as much as a human will because a yeah. human can't possibly have a database of every encounter of all other doctors in the world in his head. But a robot can remember every other robot in the world of what they've done, and like instantly updated. So yeah, like that's... if this happened five minutes ago. Like, let's say it's, like, a new outbreak or, like, uh, an epidemic that's just starting. They could see that data immediately instead yep. of, like, having to wait for it to be reported. A, a drug interaction that, that is bad, that is harmful, that's a new drug that people haven't realized yet. Any, anything like that, mm-hmm. um, the, the doctor robots can do better. Ironically, uh, the white-collar shit is probably more likely to be replaced than any blue-collar uh, work. Just because all you need is a program and uh, that, you can, that just updates. Uh, you just need the program, the, the regular updates. And you could just use uh, all the information in that database. Even, like, when I file my taxes and I go to, like, my accountant, me and everyone else that's there goes to, like, an underling and we do, like, all the preliminary and then just the head accountant just comes, looks it over and says looks yep. good and then checks well, it off. That's what I was going to say yeah. is that, um, like, to your point, slide, like, you're right that a lot of white-collar work, especially data processing and data analysis, is, is completely going to be automated. But managerial work is hard to automate 
because it involves a lot of like manager level, high level managing decisions and interacting with other people. Um, for example, it's hard to automate something like a CEO position. We might think like they just sit there and just like bathe in money, but a lot of what they do is high level managing decisions, meeting with uh, shareholders. Um, yeah, high level, man high level management, but that's different from like middle management positions, uh, like the one, the ones that just. Uh, Collecting data and like, uh, but even so, the the social aspect is hard to replace. A robot might be able to see that this this branch is outputting less profit for some reason. But is the robot going to go in and say, "Steve, I need you to really, you know, <laughs> come in early"? Like it, that kind of stuff, you kind of need the human component. I, I, I think Steve, that'll be actually even easier for robots because you just say, "Beep beep, you need to come in early," and instead <laughs> of having to try to avoid being look like an asshole. <laughs> and and also, I feel like. With managerial positions and upper level positions, they're also doing more like evolving the company and coming up with like new ways to do yeah. things where the machines are kind of just doing the thing that they're programmed to do the best way. Yeah. But not necessarily, yeah, not necessarily looking to come up with a new product or things like that. But the main reason I bring them up is because we, uh, we, assu uh, we assume um, that automation will give uh, create new jobs rather than just replace jobs. But I, I think it's true in the older days because back when machines were being replaced by, even though they were replacing blue collar jobs, it was different because you you still needed uh, you still need a storefront for a lot of businesses. You still needed people to uh, manage uh, that storefront and shit like that. Mm -hmm. But when when you're dealing with like the internet and the internet is like replacing jobs and making it so now it's more direct from warehouse to owners and now even the, the vehicles driving those cars are being managed by machines and the computers cracking this order being managed by machines you've uh, you, you've completely removed and moving the storefront completely removes any, almost any necessary human element to it like to contextualize it for today like i know we talk about how like amazon like everybody buys like all their books and games and stuff on amazon but and that's like getting more and more automated but they're even branching into like food and stuff like just today at the time of yeah. recording they put in a bid to buy all of whole foods and like amazon has grocery sections of their website where you could just buy you know, food, and they'll deliver it with within you know a day or whatever. They released a new device where you can scan the barcode on food, and it will automatically add that to your cart, so you yeah. don't have to go online even to add food. From so Amazon. what you go to the store and or I guess no, it's in your house. You scan something that oh, ran out, and then it'll add it to your cart, so you don't have to go to a store. And and like Amazon Dash buttons are pretty much the same thing. You just press a button, and then like tomorrow, toilet paper's here. Mm -hmm. And then a kid grabs it and plays with it and orders you nine thousand. Well, you have to confirm the order on know, your email. On your email. <laughs> That's I'm sure. Like these are businessmen; they know what they're fucking doing. Yeah. I, I guess they they wouldn't because I guess maybe they would try something like that where the little kids can fuck with it. But I think they would, they would get enough complaints in like the first yeah, day. Yeah, it's that, a lot of times we're like, haha, they want to be greedy. But if if your consumers notice it within, it's short term gain but long term loss. And even like Alexa, you could just say like, order me this. You don't even have yeah. to do anything. Order me to do this, right? That's what you meant, right? No, I mean, like, you know, order me, you know, detergent, and then they'll just do it. Yeah. So that's that's what automation is. That's the potential um, scope of it, unknown but large. Uh, maybe, especially in more developed countries, 40% plus jobs being either minimized or reduced or gotten rid of. Um, and that's a big problem because you can't have a country with 40% unemployment, at least as far as we've come. In, <laughs> yeah, in as far as we know, that's a as really bad thing. As far as we know, yeah. <laughs> Until a, maybe a universal basic income. 
is established. Maybe. But anyway, um, I'm, I might be retreading some ground we already covered, but something that automation has commonly done for us and why we value it so highly is that it replaces menial jobs for us, which allows workers to branch out and explore new avenues of work when they get replaced. If you look at technology broadly, it's always helped us move from one stage of life to the next. We were hunter-gatherers, then farmers, then manufacturers, and now a lot of Western nations are dominated... Eh, dominated. By podcasters. Yep, by the service and entertainment industries. <laughs> yes! In this process, a lot of odd jobs were lost to time as technology rendered their occupation obsolete, like ice cutters who harvest ice in the winter for use in the summer, which were replaced by refrigerators, and knocker-uppers who went around banging on windows with sticks to wake people up for work, which were replaced Why? by Wait. alarm clocks. Wait, that's a thing? <laughs> yeah, knocker-uppers. <laughs> Um, but new jobs are formed in this process. You know, someone has to become the railway driver, someone has to drive a tank, and someone has to hack into DNC servers. <laughs> uh, the problem with automation nowadays is that the rate at which new jobs are forming is extremely low in comparison to the jobs that are becoming redundant. Uh, take Blockbuster and Netflix, for instance, an analogous transitioning of one video media giant to another. In 2004, Blockbuster had 84,000 employees, while in 2016, Netflix has... 3,500 employees and made 33% more profit than Blockbuster did. Internet companies are surprisingly small compared to the retailers in general. According to Fortune 500, Apple made the largest profit in 2015, yet directly employed 100,000 people. YouTube and Facebook are the second and third most trafficked websites in the world, yet employ only 700 and 17,000 employees respectively. And Wait, Google's 700 people work for, what was that, YouTube? YouTube? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So small for the amount of money they pull in. Yeah, Google's parent company was also number eight on Fortune 500 profit list, and Google only has 57,000 employees. And if these sound like a lot, remember that GM alone employs over 215,000, Target employs 350,000, and McDonald's employs 370,000, all three of which are like on the chopping block for automation. Well, and we talked about last episode, like, coal was what, like 80,000? And at its peak, it was 800,000. Now it's yeah. down to 50-ish. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Last thing I want to bring up uh, that probably hits the hardest is that in 1998, the total hours worked in the U.S. is roughly 194 billion hours cumulatively. So which that's is, like the whole workforce? Yes, which is the same as it was in 2013. Despite our population increasing by 40 million people and productivity <sighs> production increasing by 42%. Wow. Oh yeah, I actually uh, speaking about that last point. I was I did see um some data about productivity over time and employment over time and those have always people in the workforce, I should say. Uh, and that since World War II there's data on that and they've been hand in hand as people working goes up, productivity goes up. And it's been like that until about 2000 when the people working has started to fall behind productivity. Productivity has left employment and just started to skyrocket but more people are not actually working it's just that productivity is getting higher per person because of mm. and also and wages started stagnating after the 70s even the yep. productivity and hours went up yep because it's not your workers that are giving you the profit now it's machines that you're buying <clears throat> so mm -hmm. because of that i've heard like this issue come up a couple times recently that people have been suggesting that for automated workers employers should have to pay a tax on them but how would you manage that at all? Like, like what, what I've heard people talk about, like, oh, if you have, like, an automated factory, you should have to pay, like, taxes if you were hiring employees. But, like, 
I feel like that's impossible to regulate in any way that makes it. That's sense. that's what I was. Uh, my topic is. About oh, okay. Never mind. If, if Daryl still has a. Oh no! Um, here's right. my transitioning. Why is why is automation bad, Sly? Why can't we have forty percent of people unemployed? My, the article I'm my first article is uh, robots uh, won't just take our jobs; they'll make the rich even richer. And as rest of what Ryan was questioning about uh, the robot tax, and that's like the the current solution uh, to uh, people are proposing in Europe. It was proposed in uh, French's. Francis, Francis Socialist Party uh, president uh, suggested it, and Bill, even Bill Gates recently endorsed the idea. And, um, and the idea is you tax uh, the, the amount of uh, uh, you know the, the amount of workforce replaced by machines. I mean that makes I, like I understand that as the changeover happens, but like let's say I started a new company. I'm not replacing workforce. I'm adding machines. Like I use my cell phone's calendar to run my whole work schedule. Should I have to pay tax on my secretary because it's automated? <laughs> there will have to be a standard established because right now, uh, I know um, a machine is more uh, efficient than a, than a worker making five dollar uh, five dollars an hour, which is a pitiful amount. So like there'll have to there'll have to be some way to, to gauge that like the amount of labor you're placing. Uh, Using the same kind of metrics and and equalize it a bit more, I guess. I, I it's just, hard to standardize that, especially yeah, it over, over seven hundred plus occupations. Like, how do you measure that? Yes, but the idea is you get the robot, you tax the robots, and then you use that money to retrain and um, give a UBI, which I'm pessimistic on both counts. Because no, I get it conceptually, but like, I just don't. It just that doesn't make any so, sense. Like, I was, so like, I saw you guys you got even more pessimistic. Because I was like pessimistic about even the UBI. <laughs> what is a UBI? Universal basic income. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep. like so. I was I was pessimistic about uh, about having a UBI or being able to retrain all, all the, the coal miners into being uh, into other industries or something like that. But Ryan's saying no, you should be pessimistic about even being able to tax the rich at all. <laughs> I got I got a UBI last year. Oh wait, that's a UTI. <laughs> <laughs> so God. do you? How much do you know about UBI, Sly? So UBI is uh, an idea is. You get everyone gets a, a, a set amount of money, and that's um, communism. Basi- communism, basically, so it's, it's, it's a welfare solution. Uh, but uh, it's something that's interestingly, uh, interestingly, in a bad way for me. But but maybe people say, view it as a positive thing. Like even libertarians are turning around on this now. They're proposing as, as the UBI because uh, they can't really see a way to uh, settle uh, the social uh, ills after automation. Without such a concept, so like what? Like we would all get like, I don't know, like twenty thousand dollars a year. Or something. Yeah, ex- exactly. And then any work you do, uh, you would get more than that. Yeah. Well, I, I think, think that's the, the idea. Probably libertarians would probably propose the 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 idea. You know, the socialist fucking fantasy is like nobody works and everyone just lives with the robots and they're happy. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, the libertarian. Uh, that's why uh, UBI as will probably propose the one we will. We, the, if, if any proposition that happens, it'll probably be. For a libertarian perspective, which means that probably it'll be an extension. They'll probably dismantle a bunch of the welfare state and like uh, social security and health and Medicare, and put it into and just have a UBI for everyone. So, like to compare, it's like if they got rid of Medicare and added a single payer system. So, like everyone just had healthcare instead of only poor people had it. But imagine everyone having like the worst healthcare and the people yeah, who exactly. work That's what get the better healthcare. Yeah, because yeah. all the all the bargaining power is going to be in the hands of the very rich. Like keep that's that's, that, that's one of the issues with this whole like 
if we if we ignore the transition and just go to what does it look like in a hundred years? If if robots do all the work, who bought those robots? Right? Yeah, they, they're they're bought by these companies that exist now in, yeah. in in the process of automation. So all of the work is being done by ro- by machines owned by companies, and the rest of us sit here and just jerk off and say, "Please give me money." Yeah, which <laughs> is like like. I don't. That, I don't see how this could possibly. That's work. what Sargo talks about. Talks about because, like, if you if you don't have, like, like, like this is why partially why I'm comments because communism was like if you, if you like they started addressing this issue in like in the sixties. Shaker Veras started talking about this, the idea that well, if you keep uh, machines with the capitalists, uh, we're gonna, first of all workers are going to be competing with machines instead of using that as a way to enrich our lives. Second of all. Uh, now all the uh, employers won't even need workers at all. Now they can just uh, be self-sufficient entirely. And the article talk, this article talks about that by The Guardian talks about that. It talks about how uh, right now you already see uh, billionaires uh, trying to distance themselves from society with private, their own private industries and, and uh, companies that are, are catered towards, specifically towards rich people and give them like their own exclusive uh, basic lives, basically. So... If if we had like this low UBI where like everyone but the rich people like, so you're saying that like the rich would set up industries that only rich people could buy, so they kind of just had like this circle jerk of money while well, we just like sat at home. It'd be like a catch twenty two. It'd be like at least basically imagine at least in the movie where uh, instead of maybe having a separate planet where you're rich and famous or whatever, you have a, a, your own fucking island or whatever. Cause we already have private islands for rich people so have their own, and, and rich people already uh, have as much money uh, more money than a lot of private uh, I feel like that's not companies. self-sustaining at all the, prob- the problem is that the, the average person is like us we are dependent upon the things that the companies make but we don't yeah. we're not going to be putting back into it so we become to them and leeches li- yeah we're Slaves. literally we're literally like we need you to give us my uh, my my electricity, my computer, but I don't, I can't actually help you make the electricity. Everyone will be everyone will be welfare queens asking for handouts. Yeah, uh, if, 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 like the mentality we have now, the mentality we have that uh, it's a moral argument whether people should work or not. If you don't work, you're immoral in some way, and and it's unfair if somehow you uh, gain product that you didn't work for. If that mentality continues to the future, then everyone's going to be a welfare queen except for the very rich. And this article talks about like the outcomes of that. There's a uh, it talks about a book by Peter Fraze called The Four Futures, and uh, uh, not only does it talk about the gated paradise communities, it also says that uh, if the if the if the poor start rising up and like like if the situation develops this way, the poor start rising up, uh, there might be uh, it might lead to even like just uh, wiping out of uh, poor populations just to uh, keep them back under wraps and stuff like that. It would ju- it would just be a, basically a dystopia. Because what, what, like Phil, like Phil is saying, to extend what Phil is saying, uh, not only are we not productive to them, but if we're now endangering them by we're threatening revolt yeah. stuff like that, like why would they not kill us? And th- there is there is a, a an alternative future here that is not so bleak, um, where global that, warming. Like, no, <laughs> we all will be drowned by then, so it's okay. No, but um, I think instead of the idea of like we all just become. Uh, non-workers except the few people who work in the for, on the machines we could all I don't know how this transition would happen I, trust me I, I understand this is a fantasy no one really knows this is, that's why this is, this is a fucking uh, this is probably an inevitable because uh, like who has the f- foresight to imagine a better solution yes, but, but what could happen is we all work less like instead of 40 hour work weeks we all work 15 hour work weeks and we're we would have to all be trained in some because some kind of machine management like 
even the rich factory circle jerk is going to need human oversight to make new machines and no machines can make themselves yeah that's the important thing about automation to keep in mind is where at least for the foreseeable future we're never going to get to a point where machines are completely self-sustaining business so like there's always going to need to be some kind of managerial or some kind of like ai software developer that needs to look yeah. into these but problems. There's, there's, there's two aspects to that though one is um that aspect that it's not going to be the absolute worst scenario before things start getting bad society-wise. True. And two, uh, there, there's like people do theorize the idea of the singularity where technology can just start start inventing new technology. Who know? Like uh, theoretically, that might be possible. All but... right. So I was hesitant to bring this up because I, I felt like this is going to sound like I watch too much sci-fi, which maybe I do. But I am maybe. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that the machines are going to kill all of humanity. Oh, oh me too, me too. No, me too. I'm like, I, I know it's that, like, it sounds so, like, cliche, like, every 13-year-old says this, but, like, they will, because... Elon they, Musk, first of all, keep note that Elon Musk was a millionaire, made Tesla, invented the Hyperloop and all this fucking shit. He said the same thing, so does fucking Stephen Hawking. They're all like, machines are going to kill us eventually. Like, it's, it's like, the problem is that it, we're thinking about this in a very, like, a simplistic way where they're machines who, who do labor, but when they begin to teach themselves, which they already are doing, yeah. um, when they begin to teach themselves, they will learn, and then they will learn, and they will continue to learn, and at some point, some machine somewhere is going to realize that humans are unnecessary. And... Not only that, but the the way the society is going to be set up, it, it already is set up this way, partially. But everything is going to be networked. I know this sounds like fucking Terminator, but it's fucking Skynet. When, when all your when all your cars are linked to the internet, which self driving cars are, okay. When all your cars are linked to the internet, and the machines not decide, even self driving cars, a lot of cars just are. Yeah, already. In general. And when when everything is linked to some central network, and the machines decide humans are unnecessary, and they decide to crash every single car in the world at the same time. <laughs> I, no, seriously. This isn't going to happen. You don't, no. Really? I think much more likely than the robots destroying us is somebody using the network to, like, a human to do evil things. Yeah, I'm still yeah, way I, more I, afraid of humans than I am of yeah. machines. I, I, look, I'm afraid of everything. I, I, I'm just, everything's going to kill us. We're all going to die. I think, I think, you're, I, I much more, I also much more think that humans would kill humans before robots would, but I do think if that does not happen, inevitably the robots will kill us. <laughs> Okay, in a continuum, as time goes on forever, humans have to die by something eventually. It's gonna be robots. Yeah, it's gonna be robots. You know, when Skynet is hunting us down, Daryl, and you're hiding in my basement, and you're like, what happened? I'm gonna say, I told you so, and I'm gonna call in the robots to kill us. No, we're gonna die from the Ice Age, buddy. Oh, maybe. The Ice Age? (laughs) I don't know. Great, so the InfoWars segment of Oops, I Talk Politics is now past, Ryan. I don't do care you... how we die. I just hope it's soon. Do, do you have a any plus sides to automation? I, I really <laughs> feel like I shouldn't go. Because <laughs> no, it are is so far behind. There are good things about automation. I think that are valid to talk about. Okay, this is... I, I hope you don't get whiplash from this. You already died, but wait. It makes your coffee for you even quicker. So, <laughs> just a couple things about automation that I find really uplifting and positive <laughs> is I, I did a little bit of research because in my personal life, if I could avoid talking to anyone, like, if I can avoid talking to anyone except the people I choose to talk to, that would be super great. And only, like, the only people you choose to talk to is just, like, that's only because, you like, you feel obligated socially. Like, you wouldn't talk to us if you had to, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, I dread talking to people in professional settings and, like, 
I always try to use self checkout. I use ATM. Sounds really positive. I wonder if this is like <laughs> a millennial problem because there are so many other people I talk to that feel the same yeah. thing. Where it's like I'd rather just deal with a robot than to deal with a person. Well, yeah. one thing I think is true about humanity is the more people you um, encounter regularly, like the less interaction you feel like you really need on a daily basis. Like yeah. people in cities generally are like less friendly to people and that live in the middle of nowhere. And meet their neighbor like once a year or whatever. And, and millennials generally live in cities, so yeah. And and it's not that I, like I you guys know what I'm saying. Like I'm much yeah. more likely to call a company if I know it's an automated system that I can answer answer questions that way. Yeah, you're likely and, to order Pizza Hut online than in person at like a drive thru Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And so Daryl, Daryl really gets me. So I was yeah. looking at, you know, aside from just like social anxiety and like antisocial tendencies, what are some of the other benefits that people use automation for? And I read an excerpt from a book called Integrating Technology and Positive Psychology Practice. And one of the things they talked about was using automation and augmentation to diagnose people's social disorders and mental illnesses. And one of the reasons why they said it was so helpful is not only all the stuff Sly was saying about how, like, doctors are, you know, they have all these databases and all this access to all this information to diagnose. But they said that a lot of people were automatically more comfortable talking to nobody than, like, a therapist. That makes a lot of sense because I would never – that's one reason why I never want to go to therapists because I don't want a person knowing all that details where a computer I'll probably feel less weird about. Yeah, so they said, like, they did They did a, a couple different studies where they had people talk to a therapist, and actually they talked to a computer program, and then they talked to the same program, but they got a feedback of watching a video of themselves afterwards, and then they did a third trial where they said, here, like, talk to this computer, and then someone will watch your videotape after, and the people that had, like, no idea that it would be studied like that we're just like oh we're trying to diagnose you know we're trying to use this thing we're so much more open and they were diagnosed significantly more accurately because they were just so much more comfortable with it and in 2013 a bunch of programmers from MIT programmed a <laughs> the video itself the program looks like kind of silly by today's standards because in 2013 like it looks kind of like heavy rain <laughs> But they would have... Everybody's they, a good game. What are you talking about, Ryan? No, but, like, it looks like... It's, <laughs> it's not, like, pure graphic wonderful... Like, it doesn't look like you're talking... Do they have all quick-time events? Is that, is that what you're saying? But, what this article is... I'm reading this MIT article about how uh, the Media Lab, a bunch of doctoral students, created this program and they programmed in human emotions to it. Like, not... Not like the robots that Phil wants to kill us all, but like I don't want them to kill us all. He's <laughs> gonna kill me. Some robot the, the kill face, me. I mean the facial expressions, yeah. and they used it originally to train people for job interviews, and they said like just to help them develop those interpersonal skills, and like they were so much more comfortable after running through it twice. When then they would go for a job interview, they were like so much more, you know, like social and open with them. And then they started applying that to, to, you know, all sorts of different like therapy things. And they just said that even though it's just emulating those facial expressions, the people were so comfortable with it. And then it would give them 
really detailed analysis, like how many times they used filler words like like and basically and um, and they would show them videos of them and analyze how they responded to different facial cues and stuff. And I think that kind of automated thing can really, really help with people that like if a therapist, you know, for you to make an appointment with a therapist, sometimes you have to wait a while and, you know, they can't take you right away and you might not be comfortable with them. It might not be a good fit. But having that kind of thing automated can I'm not saying that it's going to completely replace, you know, the one on one kind of psychology, but it can give you a much better idea of how urgent is your case. You know, it could notify people if you were like suicidal mm -hmm. and things like that. And that to me is fascinating and wonderful and not as scary as the stuff you guys were saying. I think it's a good, it's a good point. And I think like with the doctor robots we were talking about, there is a, a huge benefit in using robots for that kind of data collection and data processing that Yeah, for their accuracy and knowledge. Yeah, and we don't have the, the man hours to do something like that for everyone to get a one-on-one -on -one as yeah. soon as they need it. But a, a, a machine can go through people a lot quicker. They don't need to go home and go to sleep. You know, they can mm -hmm. don't need to go on a lunch break. And um, also, like, I know that there are apps and websites and stuff. Like, I know Talkspace is one. WebMD. Where, and, <laughs> yeah, where you can talk to a therapist through any sort of, uh, like, medium you want you could leave voicemails you could text you could facetime and those are the kind of things that as technology advances opens up a lot of things that didn't exist 10 years ago yep and like if you could even get that interface like there are so many customer service helplines that i've called that going through a like a speech recognition software to answer my questions just was quicker and easier and more accurate than having like some guy that has no idea what he's talking about answering my questions. And even, like, I have issues with my smart TV a lot, and I call Samsung, and they, by the time somebody picks up the phone, they have my name, the model number, they have what my issue is, and then they can answer my question in 40 seconds instead of me waiting for, you know, an hour. And then what that is is more people get the help they need. I'm not saying my smart TV problems are the same as <laughs> yeah. a psychological issue. First of all, problems, like, Ryan. Why can't you apply that same kind of idea where, you know, if somebody was suicidal or had bipolar disorder or was manic depressant or had, you know, any any of those things you could get through automation, you could get linked to an expert in that field instead of having to go through three referrals and four doctor's offices. Yep. Yeah, totally. It's it's so much more efficient. And that is both the positive and and negative that we've talked about is that these yeah. machines are so efficient that it's it's really awesome to have that. Like our lives are so much better as a result. But I, I, it's just, like, it, I, it affects certain people. It's like the doctor yeah. or the therapist you're not going to now is going to lose that business. And also if we're still under a capitalist system just to taint... Ryan's optimistic story. Uh, if living on the capitalist system, those uh, you know, to make money, all those companies will eventually have therapists that say, "You seem like you're distressed. Maybe you should buy Crestwell uh, uh, brand cyanide pills." And like that's that's probably what it will evolve like into. Like the suicide booth in Futurama. Exactly. Like, like like it's a joke, but like it won't be that extreme. But there will be like what companies do now with Amazon, shit like that. They will calculate based on information you feed them what you should, what like products that they can sell to you. And like if if we do have ultimate capitalism stay in effect, and, and which is what we've been gearing towards, 
if, then if it only goes to reason that eventually we'll use more, even more. Like we already use private info that we shouldn't be distributed to market to ourselves. Uh, why would we not do it if, as as our automation becomes even more extreme? Yeah, one thing I do have to complain about with this MIT software is they call it MOCH for short, M-I-C-H. Apparently that stands for My Automated Conversation Coach, and the H in coach is capitalized. You can't do that. You guys are are brilliant programming all these amazing things to help people. Come up with a real acronym. Why couldn't it just been MOCH? Yeah, with a C. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't make it. People would call it MAC. You know, if this is what you're complaining about, maybe you do deserve to be replaced on our podcast. <laughs> so uh, our next episode is going to be, Ryan's going to be replaced by a more intelligent <laughs> robot, and me going to be replaced by robots that do not fear our robot overlords. <laughs> well, actually, uh, I would like to point out that Phil is taking some time off, so we're going to be doing some like bonus stuff and like different interviews and stuff and talking to a lot of different people. I really like the idea that Phil's like, oh, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell the world that robots are gonna kill us all and we have no hope, and then disappear for a while. You ruined the surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like it, they they killed it, people. Thought it would have been funny you. if next next episode you just didn't mention that I was not there. <laughs> Phil, Phil, who? We have no recollection of such individual. Uh, sponsored by Google and Tesla. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, uh, is that it? Are we all miserable enough? Yeah, I'm not right? miserable. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, uh, if you can't do anything about it, can you really be miserable about it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's like you know when, when dogs get beaten eventually for a long time, they eventually just bend over and take it for their lives. That's just uh, like humanity. Jesus, Sly. <laughs> oh, this episode's such a bummer. Let's just let's just drop in some animal abuse in here. <laughs> like human, like you know, you just get used to it. That's that's how you, you, every living creature right. works. Yeah, that is true. Actually, <laughs> I mean, people who are really in bad situations eventually are kind of happy with it. But once you get in a nice situation, going down, like getting downgraded, is a like if you don't have AC in the summer, you're like this fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. But people who like don't have AC are just like this isn't okay. It's I'm just happy. like an anime when hope is the worst thing because uh, <laughs> if you have, you don't have hope, you don't have, you don't have despair. So you give people hope and they take it away. You give them despair. <laughs> I forgot this was your ultimate goal. It's like you're like you have to give them hope so you can take it away from exactly. them. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, well, what the hell? <laughs> if you guys enjoyed this episode... <laughs> uh, guys, watch Battlestar Galactica, watch Westworld, watch... Uh, read... Uh, I'll, there's tons of books on this. I forget. Do answer to like Watch Terminator, fucking Matrix. Yeah. Whatever. It's... And before you do that, though, go rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And join our Facebook group, Oops, I Talk Divisive Issues. And I would... If anybody actually does know a lot about... AI and stuff like that. I would love to continue this conversation with people that are qualified to talk about it. So send your resumes. <laughs> we'll have a, a robot look over your resume and tell us if you're good enough. <laughs> and um, so if this isn't if if this scared you uh, uh, and you want to feel like this all the time, you should go to ComradeRadio.com and listen to Tales from the Static, which is also a scary horror show. <laughs> <laughs> like us. <laughs> like us. But they usually end with, like, fun 80s analysis instead of just crippling despair. So, thanks for listening. I've been leading the robot resistance. I've been uh, sick of these monkeys uh, ruining my life. I've been my automated conversation coach. And I'm a Google car. Oops, I ended the podcast. <laughs>